released the universe. It is 89 degrees in my room. I think it is 86 degrees outside. So that is how I'm starting off the podcast. How are you today, brother? I won't complain, bro. I won't complain. <laughs> I don't think anybody's listening any day. Well, that is facts. And speaking of listening, you are in DFN Universe. Black power thinking, black psychology, and black humor. It is 1.42 a.m. We're starting early tonight. This is, um, we usually try to start between 2 and 3. We're an hour early tonight. Uh, or somewhere around. And um, welcome to the FN Universe. Indeed. Uh, what's <laughs> on your mind tonight, brother? Uh, brother, uh, nothing new, bro. You know, um, you know, I just uh, come on and see whatever, um, you know, wherever God um, leads my footsteps, bro. Yes, sir. Um, I'd be remiss in my duties if I didn't mention. Um, uh, Rest in peace to DJ, rap artist, um, Bismarcky. Um, his name is um, Marcel Theo Hall. Rest in peace. Yes, indeed. Peace to that God. Indeed. <clears throat> uh, so many of us... Um, Particularly, it's seemingly uh, that um, we're seeing so many of these uh, famous rappers that we grew up with um, in our lifetime um, meeting with uh, mortality. Um, It's around that, that time, brother, when everything about life precious. And it could be taken from you in an instant. Yeah, my wife was saying something similar to that. But I I, I think, um, and I didn't have a big response to that because for me, I you know, I look at, you know, my age and my age group. Mm-hmm. You're, you're not young anymore. That is correct. And And so I am not surprised by... The death that I, that I'm seeing, um, because a lot of us have not taken care of ourselves for a long mm. time in life, and if you think like I, I literally feel like like I've lived three lifetimes at, at at my age, like I can literally tell you like you know three different life lifetimes during my life, like I, I feel them, I know them. And I was aware of them during those times. Mm-hmm. So I'm not surprised, I'm not as surprised, I should say, when I hear people in my generation that have, that have passed or that are passing because um, from this age and going forward, 
we're probably going to hear nothing but death. Hmm. Right? And the only thing that we're going to hear that's new is going to be children and grandchildren. Hmm. So, mm-hmm. so it does, I mean, so it doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're at the age where we can start looking, you know, at one another and, you know, and at ourselves about how we're living our lives. Yes, sir. And uh, we are approaching four minutes and full four seconds into the effing universe and um, the life, the duality of nature is where there's death, there is also life. And there will be people to continue on when we're gone. Um, speaking of gone, um, I, there's a bunch of, uh, things that, um, wanted to talk about, um, but did you get a chance to see that video with Charleston White? I didn't, bro. Um, you know what? <laughs> because, you know, I saw that video, but I typically <laughs> ignore his videos. Um, <laughs> I, I saw I see him on um the Vlad TV and I never <laughs> click on him. So maybe subconsciously I just did when I saw him and I I just didn't click on it. So I think and now that you're saying that I I think that I may have just subconsciously been like, I'm not listening to this dude. Wow. I think I, I yeah, <laughs> I think I listened to him one time and I, I think I was like, I'm never I'm not doing it again. So no, I didn't listen to him. And you saved your mind some fucking oh, reduction, brother, because he was talking about um, how going on on jobs just to sue people, and um, the, the interviewer asked him, uh, "Well, aren't you worried about um, harm that you may cause uh, other people while while you're going on the job?" just to uh, get a paycheck. And he said, nah, don't bother me. Um, They're the dummies for wanting to work. Um, I'm there to study the employee handbook and find out which of the things that they're supposed to do that they're not doing in corporate America. So he sued places like uh, as low as McDonald's and as high as some um, these corporate uh, entities. And he says he's won every case. But that wasn't the kicker. The uh, kicker was he asked him, um, well, if you're you're suing for discrimination um, or you're suing for... um, uh, what was the other thing that he he would sue for? Oh, sexual harassment. And like, if, if they're two brothers um, having a discussion of sexual harassment and they get fired because you reported them, uh, isn't that uh, like counterintuitive to black people? He said, I don't give a fuck about black people. He then went on to say that niggas is the only thing that he gives a fuck about. 
Because niggas know how to plant uh, food. Niggas know how to farm. And niggas know how to do everything that we learned on the plantation. And those are my people, niggas. But black people, he don't give a fuck about because they will sell you out. They will do this and that. So everything that we promote as black people on a podcast like this is the very people that he's against. So what is he? Is he a nigga or is he a black person? I'm he's probably a nigga. Yeah, but 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 his was not making sense, right? According to what I'm just hearing you say. Yes, sir. Um, if he's saying niggas is his people, then why is he doing black black people thing by suing people? Because niggas wouldn't sue people. Hmm. Hmm. That ends that logic right there. <laughs> Good observation, brother. I guess we can move on. Yeah, that's why I don't listen to the shit. Listen, the people <laughs> like him, bro. Exactly. I, I listen. I listened to him one time, and I was like, "Man, that was a waste of whatever time that I spent listening <laughs> to him." So every time I see him going forward, I just, you know, <laughs> I just stroll past him, bro, because you know he he's strictly entertainment purposes, and I. You know, I'm one of those black people. Um, you know, that's not always looking to be entertained. <laughs> yes, sir. Ironically, he's on DJ Vlad. Isn't that ironic? No, because DJ Vlad is is just sheer entertainment. Hmm. And he's counter to. Uh, he don't give a fuck about black people or black power, and he has two black sons. Uh, I remind the audience that uh, DJ Vlad. Bro, something just happened. Bro, just up. Something just happened. I can't hear you. Testing one, two. Testing one, two. Uh, we are uh, back. Um, some idiot from my contact list called me and it went right off. Um, I was saying, let's get right back into it. Um, DJ Vlad, is um, he has um, two black sons, a black wife, but um, he's the one remind everyone that wanted Minister Farrakhan to apologize to him and come on his show. Uh, so um, it wouldn't surprise me that people like Charleston White would end up on his show, even when we should be um, blocking anybody that um, would even think that that is going to happen. Minister Farrakhan, fuck DJ Vlad and the horse he rode in. It's called white privilege, bro. Yes, sir. Okay, something is happening again.
Okay, it said you connected, but I can't hear anything. Going once, going twice. Going. Oh, well, there we go. Okay. Um, it's asshole. <laughs> fucking number. Hold on one second. Yeah, you still there? Yep. All right. That won't be a problem anymore. Um, so, um, on to the next subject. Bro, you, you blocking friends, bro? Yeah, because people don't listen. Even on under. When I tell them don't do shit, they do it any fucking way. <laughs> Maybe they just want to be on the show, bro. Uh, I doubt it. <laughs> nice guy, but he's a fucking asshole. And now he's blocked. Um. What the hell was I talking about? Oh, uh, one of the, yeah, fuck Vlad. That's what I was saying. Any last words on that fucking idiot? No, bro. I I I didn't understand Vlad when we I think we first started this podcast. We had a conversation with him, and I did about him. I didn't know who he was then. Um, hmm. and then I later un- began to understand who he was. Um. But then this whole controversy took place about Minister Farrakhan, and since that took place, uh, he has kind of spiraled out, spiraled, spiraled down, uh, and a lot of people, um, in my opinion, uh, seem to have lost credibility um, in terms of who he is. Uh, but he does have a consistent um, uh, group of people that do um continue to go on this show um and Bootsy is one of those people hmm. um another but, one that doesn't give a fuck about black people well i don't know that Bootsy doesn't give a fuck about black people i think Bootsy um in my opinion um i don't know if he doesn't give a fuck about black people but i think he is um willfully ignorant or innocently ignorant Right, and I think Joe Madison um, said that that, and I'm not sure who he quoted, um, and I want to make sure that I'm quoting him right. Um, he talked about conscientious, conscientious, conscientious stupidity, or um, what was the other word he used? Conscientious to stupidity or um, conscientious stupidity or uh, I'm not I'm not sure I'm quoting him right Um, or intentional ignorance something Mm -hmm. like that and and so um, I, I, I don't know that I think that Bootsy is conscientious I think that I I think um, Bootsy has a certain level of ignorance when it comes to 
um, when it comes to certain things, I, I think that his level of, um, I don't think anything that he does is intentional as it relates to hurting black people. Right. You know, it, 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 except for what might happen, you know, um, in his personal life, right? You know, I, I know that he's of a certain culture and I understand that culture, I understand street culture, so that's something different. And I think it's different for him when it comes to that, because I think he he really lives that life. So in, in, in him living that life, and I understand in living that life, you there's a certain level of consciousness that you can't have. Because otherwise, you, you wouldn't be living the lifestyle. You would change the lifestyle. Hmm. You can't live in that lifestyle and be conscientious. They don't work. They don't go together. Hmm. Yes, sir. Uh, one of the things that we spoke about last week was woke or conscious people in terms of uh, black power. And uh, we also spoke about um, one derivative of being woke or conscious is to be uh, to experience woke fatigue or conscientious uh, black power fatigue where we get into these organizations and then um, we become disheartened uh, for one reason or another. And um, the extreme of that is that we begin, we begin to, to be counterintuitive to the very black power organizations that we were once a part of because we feel alienated. Well, um, or mistreated. I, 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 I think that um, James Baldwin said it best. I think he said, "To be conscious in America is to be angry all the time." Hmm. So, there's a saying that says, "Ignorance is bliss." Right. So um, when you're ignorant of, of a lot of things, you almost None have a this shit bothers you. <laughs> yeah, you, you almost have a better life than, than, right. than most people. You could eat steak and cake. yeah, yeah. You, you you I mean because to be because to be conscious means to have a responsibility. Right. Right. It means that otherwise someone is going to make the argument. That are you really conscious or do you really understand? Mm-hmm. So if, if if we take the teachers and we say 85% of the population is deaf, dumb, and blind, mm-hmm. easily led to be in you know in the wrong direction, right. hard but hard to be led in the right direction, then where 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 are you? Because now you you have to understand, and God forbid, now you say you five percent, you ain't ten percent, you five percent of the population mm-hmm. who understand knowledge yourself who understand who the true and righteous God is. Well, if you're 5% of the population, that means nigga, you almost alone. Hmm. Indeed. Right? So it, it's it's not even cool to be 5%. Right? right? It's really cool to be 85%. Right? right? It's, 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 it's really, if you think about it, 85% of the population, man, is on Facebook. 80, 85% of the population is on YouTube, is on Instagram is on social media. 
So mm-hmm. if you're not, you're 5% of the population, that means you don't even really, you're out of touch with what's going on with everybody else because you... You want to be. <laughs> right. Or, or you, you just don't know what everybody else is doing. And ignorance is bliss. Right. Um, so people see what's going on. It depends on how you wish to respond to it. Or you uh, don't think that it's necessary. Um, or, 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 or did you see the movie? And you and I think I think I, you and I had a conversation. The what was it called? The social dilemma. The social. Yeah. Yeah, that okay. Was the, the social dilemma. Clear. What was what was the name of that movie? The social dilemma. Is yeah. That movie watched. Remember we watched that movie, and I had the whole family watch it together. Peace to the God, Khalid. No, you remember when you, you, you the social divide. Uh, Brother Douglas said, "Peace to the God." He said, "What's up?" He's all right. Okay, so do you remember the name of the movie? Uh, I think we're in social dilemma. Okay, yeah, social dilemma. Yeah, that that was the name of it. Okay. I'm asking him a question. He asked me, am I ready for the gym tomorrow? <laughs> this dude is going to the gym. Now he thinks he's buff. <laughs> yeah. Tell him I said rumble, young man, rumble. Oh, bro, let me tell you, this dude is in competition <laughs> with me every day, bro. <laughs> That's a good thing. Steel shopping, steel, brother. Yeah. What? No, you can have yeah, bro. So whatever. What, what, and now I, he's I, making money too. Yeah, bro. Oh, he talks about it too. <laughs> you know, he, I just told him that. I said, "Well, I guess I got to cut the grass on Sunday." He was like, "Well," <laughs> he said, "Well, if making fifty dollars cutting the grass and me going to work is gonna make me a hundred dollars, I think I should go to work." Hmm. I said, "Okay, all right. <laughs> Don't forget where you came from, son." Right. You know, don't forget where it started. That hard work ethic started in that yard. Hmm. Um, there are some parents, uh, particularly in the black uh, community, um, especially from the South, that says that um, at, a, at um, 18, all of the male children have to get up, whether they are um, gainfully employed or not. And um, it's a way to build build up manhood by simply forcing a person into the water, throwing them into the water, and they are um, obliged to swim or drown. Yeah, I think that's stupid. <laughs> of course, but uh, and I think that's why a lot of a lot of them fail. It's not effective. It's ineffective. You know. <laughs> Um, here's, here's the thing if you're not prepared right so let's say you know I throw you in a boxing match mm-hmm. I throw you in a boxing gym and I say okay you're going to fight today you're going <laughs> you, you, you know or, or, or you're going to die well if you don't know how to box you're going to die you're going to get your ass whooped <laughs> if you, you know if it's not something you're used to and if, you're not, if you haven't prepared them for that and you say okay well 
you know, I know you've been living here 18 years and I hadn't done anything to prepare you for life, but you're going out here anyway. You're going to survive or fail. Well, <laughs> I, I would say 99, if not 95% of them are going to fail. Hmm. And, and and it's not on them, it's on you. Because if you haven't done shit to make sure that you prepare them for that, then it's on you. Hmm. You know, and not only is it on you, but what you've created is this dysfunction, right? So there's this high level of, of dysfunction that you created that now you're saying, as dis- dysfunctional as you are, go out here and create more dysfunction. Hmm. I know I haven't taught you anything. You know, but even though I haven't taught you anything, you are of age. Well, mm-hmm. age age is not a qualification of responsibility, hmm. right? So be, you you could be eighteen, man. I know thirty five year old people that act like they still act like they're eighteen years old. Mm-hmm. You know, so if you haven't done anything to prepare you for tomorrow, there's no way you're gonna be prepared for it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, that, does, that doesn't make sense. That's ideological thinking to me. But yeah, I know a lot of people like that. And I, that's why I think that that's why you, that's how we have generational curses. And that's how we have continued dis, dysfunctioning, you know, in our, in our children, in our male children and in our female children. They, they repeat cycles that were done to them. Maybe their mom put them out at 15 or 16 or 18, mm-hmm. right? And then they went out and had families. And they did they did the same thing to their families that their families did to them. And so you're just repeating dysfunctional behavior. You know, I'm not saying that you, um, your kids shouldn't have responsibilities at a certain age, but I think you should be teaching them responsibilities at a certain age. Right. Right. It's just like, um, what's today? Today is Friday. Um, but I refuse to bring the trash cans in if I take them out. Right. So mm-hmm. I take I take the trash cans out, and I expect for my son to bring them in. Mm-hmm. And I'm not bringing those trash cans in, even if it means you know at eleven o'clock if I say to him, "Hey man, trash can's still outside." <laughs> I, t- I I took the trash cans. Out. I I put the trash in the trash cans, and I took them out. <laughs> so when the trash people come and pick up the trash cans, trash cans are still sitting outside. Everybody has a job in this house. <laughs> Yes, everybody, everybody has a responsibility. Yes, sir. Um, and I think that's what it's all about. Um, we may find dysfunctional ways to do it, but it's about um, responsibility. And um, the youth may may feel that it's unnecessary or um, ex- extreme. Well, that- I, well, I I do think there's certain things that are extreme. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know I historically could have been extreme, but I I, I try to be mindful about what I think is extreme. Right. Right. So, you know, and I think you have to find a balance between um, being extreme, you know, and being flexible. Because some things can can be extreme and you, you could be functioning from your adult stage not understanding the child stage hmm. and not understanding their level of functioning and, and understanding at that at that age. So yes, you have to, I think that we have to be careful sometimes when we say things to them and expect for them to understand it at, our, at an adult level. Right. So I, so I try to make sure that I balance that. And in, you know, 
and because I've had conversations with my kids all their lives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, having them read Malcolm X, having them read Harriet Tubman, Sojourner at you know very young ages, and they're like, and and they're having them do reports, and they're like, I understand none of that, and even at this this age, like. I still don't know who that person is. But did they do the reports? Did they do the reading? Yeah. Do they, do they understand? No. They don't understand that like to, to that degree. Right. Um, like one of the, the responsibilities that one should learn, especially when you got a, a new job, is how to save for a rainy day. And um, I know one of the, I, I guess, ignorant things that my my um, family did, and a lot of West Indian families that do this, they start to charge their um, their um, um, their children uh, rent when they get a job. Um, I don't know how effective it is, but um. All of a sudden, all of the luxury of having a job seems for naught, and now you got to pay your family rent. But I, I guess it also builds up some type of responsibility. I don't know. Not. Yeah, I, I disagree with that. Um, but I, I can understand why poor people do it. Mm. Um, and and I, and I think it's more of a poor person's mentality than it is anything else. Um, I think there's good intentions behind that, but I, I think that it's bad psychological development for the child. Mm. I, I think one of the things, one of the problems I had with it when I was a teenager is that I grew up on food stamps and welfare. So I didn't, I didn't appreciate my mom trying to charge me rent when she was on food stamps and welfare. Mm-hmm. Cause I was like, why are you charging me rent when you don't pay rent? <laughs> that did that didn't make sense to me. Hmm. You know, um, and and you trying to inst- if you're trying to instill values in me about paying bills, I'm like, you don't pay no bills. <laughs> you know, we freaking live in the projects, you know, <laughs> where there's one bill and, and everything is is you know, is encompassed, right? Like <laughs> the light bill, the rent, everything is all <laughs> one. Mm. And you're on welfare, so we don't pay nothing to live here. Mm. You know, or if we may pay $5, you, you want to charge me, you know, half of my check? Mm. You know, or every time I get paid, you want me to give you some money? I'm like, shit, this don't make sense to me. <laughs> Exactly. And we are at the 20 minute mark. Um, We'll be back after these uh, commercial breaks. Um, We were talking last week about um, being woke and uh, being conscious and um, wanted to continue that discussion in terms of um, fatigue and what it produces. Uh, We'll be right back after these messages. Peace to the God. Peace to the God. Welcome back. Peace to the the God. 
Um, in the effing universe, it is. What time is it? It is two twenty-two a.m. on a Friday night. We could be out partying. We are here having a dis- serious discussion on um, topics of black power, black psychology, and black humor. Um, we were speaking about uh, woke culture and um, not necessarily the authenticity of or the degree to which one is um, considered woke, but rather what is to become of the fatigue that we experience and the frustrations that we experience when things don't go our way in black organizations. Um, I think we want to approach it from a um, psychological point, but also from a, a layman's um, terminology. Um, one of the books that I'm reading now is, um, I told you I was going to get the book and uh, we'd have discussions periodically on uh, the book of Khaled. Um, by Malik Zulu Shabazz. Uh, one of the things that um, um, was reported in the book that um, Malik Zulu Shabazz had done was the frustration that uh, Khalid would ultimately have against uh, Minister Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam, where he had to create his own organization. Um, we, as observers, we tend to take sides. Oh, this person shouldn't have done that, and this person shouldn't have done that. But hopefully we can have a logical discussion about uh, powerful leaders and their fatigue and frustration with uh, what happens in organizations. Okay. Um, so eventually, um, Dr. Khalid would, um, start to speak bad about Minister Farrakhan and the Nation of Islam. I wanted to, um, preface what, what would bring about those events, um, with what I, um, just spoke about, um, how do we navigate um, this thing about black power thinking, if it's already going to be a problem, um, because there's only like 5% of the people that uh, constitute this uh, woke mentality or this uh, poor righteous teacher or whatever moniker you want to give to it. It's just people that, that see that we are the descendants of slaves and um, we have to rise up out of that condition and we have to know who did what to us and what we have done to ourselves. Well, I think part of the conversation that we had last time, uh, I don't know if we came to a, um, a, a meeting of the minds with it. One, I think that we were I'm trying to decide what is considered woke 
what's the definition of woke? Um, what's the defini- definition of conscious consciousness? You know, the people who consider themselves woke, people who consider themselves conscious, are they the same? Are they different? And I, I personally would not consider uh, a five percent as a woke person. I think I, I think woke is a modern day terminology, and there's no qualification for that. But if you were going to be woke, uh, a quote unquote woke back in the day, if you're going to be a, a five percenter, if you're going to be a person of nation of Islam, there are going to be qualifications for you to do that. You were going to join an organization. You were going to be, uh, you were going to do the research, or you were going to know what that meant, right? You you couldn't step out and say, and someone asked you, you know, what's you know, um, who is the original man? You have to know that. You, you need to know that answer. You know, uh, who was Yaku's graph the devil? You would need to know that answer. <clears throat> I don't know that there's an answer or qualification today for someone who says that they're woke. <clears throat> I think that people just wake up and say, oh, I'm woke. I think that people just uh, find it a cool thing to say is I'm woke. I think woke is a social media concept and not really a um, psychological concept. So I, I personally um, don't ascribe to the woke ideology um, because I, the, the people that I hear saying woke, I think are very ignorant. Um, and I think that they, um, uh, they self-ascribe themselves to, to, to something that they think is woke, but I don't, know that they do anything that I think is woke outside of have a social media conversation. Yes, sir. Um, I think um, having a definition for it um, could lead to a circular argument. Um, What I did want to focus on was um, do we consider Dr. Khalid or Minister Farrakhan to be an error um, and how do we determine that? To be an error? What do you mean error? Like, oh, this person did this wrong, and that was the problem. Whether no. it be Minister Farrakhan or whether it be Minister uh, Khalid Muhammad. In my opinion, no. I think it's, it's I think it's black. I think it's blasphemy to say that. Whether it be Dr. Khalid Muhammad or whether it be. Uh, whether it be Minister Farrakhan or Dr. Khalid Muhammad, I, I don't think either one of them is wrong. I think that they they had different approaches, and that's okay. I think that Dr. Khalid Muhammad, um, his approach towards towards things uh, maybe outgrew, or maybe um, uh, uh, if 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 not out, outgrew, but was more outlandish than the teachings of Islam uh, or the nation of Islam. So I, I just think that they were different. I mean, you can grow up and be friends, right, with someone all your life, you know, but you can grow to be very different. I know I have, right? And and I don't think any, anybody is wrong or right. I just think that there's just different perspectives. So to choose a side, I think that's what's wrong. And that's what we want to get to, the um, the fact that we do choose sides and how effective does that make the organization subsequent <clears throat> taking these sides? I mean, how effective is the organization going to be 
if you have two uh, factions arguing with who's right and who's wrong. Well, I think that's the problem in and of itself. I think that if we continue to do that, that means we haven't learned anything from history. You and I have had this conversation time and time again, right? We, we've had CORE, we've had SNCC, we've had SCLC. I mean, we had the Nation of Islam. You know, we, we've had the black, the black intellectuals. And everybody's, and even today, we have um, NAN, we have uh, uh, just a number of different um, National Action Network. Yeah, yeah, with, with Brother Al Sharpton, you know, we have the rappers, uh, or some of the, some of the conscientious rappers. We we just there's a just um, Tamika Mallory, <laughs> Tamika Mallory, and and what they're doing. You know, there's a number of different things that are going on simultaneously. They have always historically been a number of things that have been going on in the black community simultaneously. But I think to make the the continued mistake of saying, oh, I don't like what this person is doing. I don't like what this person is doing. You know, whether it be James Baldwin and Booker T. Washington, whether it be Malcolm and Martin, you know, it's just, you know, uh, this can, oh, I'm sorry, that, that should have been um, uh, W.E.B. Du Bois and um, um, Booker T. Washington. No, a book, Booker T. Um, was yeah. So yeah, Booker T. and 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 W. V. Du Bois. And I think Baldwin and Richard Wright were um, on, on on the cusp of one another. But yeah, it, it, you know, so it, it's been this constant um, debate, you know, uh, uh, amongst ourselves in our community about who we should accept, who we should follow. And I think, dang, you know, at this point, we should have learned from the past and be like, why are we saying we need one person? Black people are not homogeneous people. You know, if if I'm saying stop condemning someone else. If you don't like Minister Farrakhan, don't don't condemn him. If you don't like Al Sharpton, don't condemn him. If you don't like Dr. Khalid Muhammad, don't condemn him. You know, if you don't like this person, you know, I may not be a, a fan of Dr. Umar Johnson, but I ain't gonna knock the brother. Just his strategies just don't work for me. You know, and so I, I think historically, if someone is out here in a movement, you know, we just had this whole thing with Biden, right? With, um, and you and I, I think, even went back and forth um, with um, Ice Cube and Ice Cube's plan for America, you know, a black America. Right. You know, and I was like, oh, contract man. with Black America, right? Like, like Ice Cube came to me came out of the blue. You know, it came out of nowhere, just like, okay, here's my contract with Black America, and I'm like, dang, bro. You know, where did you come up with this contract? How, you know, who did you consult? Who did you talk to? I don't know. Who he talked to anybody. Maybe it was just his own thing. But some people jumped on board. Some people were very critical. You know, look. I think at the end of the day, you know, Ice Cube can have his own contract. Reverend Al Sharpton can have his own contract. Um, Congressional Black Caucus can have theirs. Everybody, everybody can have their whatever. 
but I think what will work systematically for black folks if we just agree that everybody could have their own shit instead of saying, no, nah, I ain't getting along with this person. I ain't hopping on with this person. I'm saying, damn, we could get something done if we all said, okay, you know, let's bring all of our shit together and let's, let's agree that all of our shit should work. And how do you balance that with uh, what we discussed in our first segment where people are doing nigga shit that are supposedly representative of the people and um, are we supposed to go along to get along with them? Well, that's well. See, if you're using the word nigga shit, then I, I don't These understand. Are the words they use. I understand. That's what I'm saying. But if you're saying, you know, I want to do nigga shit, well, then how is that collective of the black community? Because you're saying that you're not a part of the black community. You're saying you're a nigga, and you're saying I ain't no black person. I'm a nigga. Well, then that's everybody else is saying that we want to work together. You're saying I don't want to work together. I want to be. I want to be my. I want to be a nigga. Well, then that's counterproductive, right? So I think that if as long as long as you're separating, I'm, and and all I all I initially was just talking about was unity. You don't want unity. You want to be a nigga. You don't want to be black. You don't want to be conscientious. You don't want to be black power. You don't want to be. You want to be nigga. And so nigga to you means. I'm different from the power structure. I'm different from all the rest of these black folks. I don't want to be associated with these black folks. I'm a nigga. I don't want no accountability. I want to be able to do what the F I want to be able to do, say it, and be as raunchy and as ignorant. Well, and how is that productive in the black community? And would you consider uh, Minister Farrakhan or Dr. Khaled counterproductive at some point? No, I don't. I don't. I don't. I, I, I think that Minister Farrakhan, I think, he, I think that what he has done and what he believes and what he does, I think it's productive in the black community. I think Dr. Khalid and what he does and has done is productive in the black community. Now, um, has some of the people in their organizations done some things that have been counterproductive? Yes. Right? But I think that they're them individually, I think their intentions are good for the black community. While I think that they uh, they vary in different ways, yeah. But I think there's a place for I think there's a place for, for both of them in the black community. What about uh, Malcolm X? Do you consider what he did counterproductive or to the Elijah Muhammad? How so? No, my first answer is no. And in what perspective are you asking me that question? The fact that he started his own organization. No, I don't think so at all. You don't consider that counterproductive to um, black power coming up through the nation? No. I don't. I don't know, and and I think that it 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 it, it may. It's almost like it's almost like okay for me. So I'm gonna use something psychological, right? Right. So if you study Socrates, and then you study Plato, and then you study Aristotle, and then you study and then you study Alexander the Great, 
they were all, I, they started from Socrates, and Plato was a student of Socrates, and Aristotle was a student of Plato, and Alexander the Great was a student was was a student of of um, Aristotle. They they all built on one another. If in psychology, Freud was the first. Then you had Adler. Then you had Jung. But there were no Adler or Jung had there not been a Sigma Freud. Right? And then if you go down the line, if you start looking at, you know, what happened with, with, with um, Sigma Freud and Adler and Jung and psychoanalytic, what broke off from there was cognitive behavior psychology. And then you had Avin Pavlov and Skinner and Watson, right? And then if you break off from there, what, what broke off from cognitive, because they, they, to me, there were all these advances. So first you had psychoanalytic with Freud and Adler and Young. And then you had behavior with Ivan Pavlov and Skinner and Watson and all those people that came under that. But then something happened from there. Because psychoanalytic was only dealing with the mind. Well, then cognitive behavior only dealt with the behavior and didn't really care so much about the mind. But then you have humanistic existential. Humanistic existential said, no, we need to put both of them together. We need to put the, 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 the psychological development, the behavior development, and we need to make it whole. So here's another force. And we're going to call this force humanistic and existential. And then you had people like Abraham Maslow, you know, that and Carl Rogers that fell under that because that what they said was, well, let's not look at just the mind. Let's not look at just the behavior. Let's look at the whole person. And then looking at the whole person, we'll call this humanistic and existential because we aren't dealing with one part of the person. We're dealing with the whole part of the person. And we're not just going to focus on the past. We're going to focus on the here and now, right? And and so in them doing that, in, in, in the humanistic existential aspect of it, and them dealing with the whole person and trying to heal the whole person, there was a whole different dynamic that came, that, that began to evolve. Now, from that, there was a fourth force that came in the, that, that came into play probably in the late 1950s, 1960s that brought in social and culture. So if I'm looking at advancement, I'm looking at, wow, we went from just dealing with the mind, then we went to looking at the behavior, then we went to looking at um, the whole person, and then someone said, you know what? We need to look at the social and the cultural and see how that affects the, the human being. So if you're asking me about Malcolm or and 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 uh, you uh, or um, uh, the honorable Elijah Muhammad, Dr. Khalid. Man, that's growth to me. I look at it as growth. You know, and and staying in one place and saying that one person should have stayed one place. There's no growth in that to me. And I don't know if any of what I said makes sense to you, uh, but makes absolute sense. Um... In summary, we have the 19-minute mark in the African universe. Um, we have to be historically astute or wise in noticing 
when these forks in the road occur and notice that there is a technology is an automatic built-in um, self-sabotage that happens in these organizations just based upon evolving and getting more in tune with what we uh, have an agenda for Black power. It's going to be diverse and we're not going to get along, but we have to learn how to recognize that in history and in current events and know that the technology is to get us to fight amongst one another. Last word. No, bro, I just, I, I just think that there's an evolutionary process, bro. And if you're growing and you're evolving, you know, you would be a fool to think that, let's say you, you're raising a child and you think your child should be exactly like you. You're an idiot. Because, mm. because if, in fact, your child is exactly like you, that means your child has not evolved. Mm. And that means you have not done your, your job as a parent. Because your job as a parent is that you want your child to be better than you. And if your child's goal in life is to be better than you, is to challenge you, then you're doing your job, in my opinion. Yes, sir. It, because, it goes back to that um, parenthood in the effective ways of parenting. Um, we're at the 21-minute mark, and uh, we're going to come back and continue this discussion. <laughs> right after these words. Peace to the universe. Assalamu alaikum, brother. Peace to the God. Peace to the universe. Um, we had a uh, discussion about, um, we started off with um, ignorance um, that we're going to find out here in the universe. And um, that ignorance is bliss because some people either know or don't want to know what is going on in the black community and how to work together to solve it. Um, whether you want to be ignorant on purpose or honestly don't know, it becomes... Um, adverse to anything that people with uh, black consciousness at the forefront of their minds to those agendas to try to obtain some black power and to make black power thinking into a polished organization and movement. Certainly it's not going to be just one movement as we discussed but um i think you put it in perspective um with the um psychological um reference that you made that there were there's going to be great teachers and the fact that these teachers are great is the fact that they moved on from some position to establish a new one but when we look back at it historically, we see that there's a connection to all of these great teachers. 
And based on that, what we should be doing mentally in, in our mentality is to build on that greatness and have something prepared for our offspring to take into the future. Um, Okay. Here's what I think. Yes, sir. I think historically, um, the ancestors, what was the goal of the ancestors was that they knew that there were going to be a generation that was going to come after them. And they felt like there was going to be, there was a responsibility of them. And that responsibility was to prepare the world, to prepare their future uh, children for the, for the world that, was, that they were going to come into. And so they they worked to prepare the world to make the world a better place for their offspring. I think that historically that's where our ancestors were. I think that somehow we lost that perspective. And I say when we're, I'm talking about we, I'm talking about we as black people. We we lost that perspective, but that was the teaching. And I don't know if we lost it during the slave trade uh, and coming to America, because that's surely not what we did when we got to America. So I think that it so much of that was lost in the slave trade um, coming to America because we surely wasn't preparing the world or preparing our children for the world in which we wanted them to come into. That didn't start to become a thing until um, after slavery and so yeah, so I was I'll, I'll say like uh, after slavery, when black people began to start to have that that accountability again, but I think that was something that we had in Africa. Um, unfortunately, white people in this country had a four hundred year jump on black people and people of color and people of other um, culture and ethnicities. They had to advance in terms of doing that for, for their culture and doing that for their children. And as a result, their children has benefited as a result of them preparing the future and the world for their offspring, in my opinion. Um, I also think that the role of a parent, the goal of a parent is The role of a parent is to be a teacher, is to be a guide, is to be an example for what they want their children to be. I think that the goal of a teacher is or should be to make to make a student better than the teacher. And I think that if the parent or the teacher isn't doing that, then I think that it does a disservice to the child and the student in the classroom. Because if the student can't leave the classroom and be an example of what their parents taught them, or be an example of what the, of their teacher taught them, 
then their teacher and their parent didn't do their children or their student a service. Yes, sir. Indeed. <clears throat> uh, one of the things that uh, came up in the book, and um, I'm going to put this out in the universe so that uh, conscious people could not fall into the traps that um, it's okay to tell a story, but your story is not the total sum of our movement, our struggle, and um, we need to look at it in perspective. Um, he mentioned how Dr. Khaled ultimately wanted revolution, um, not unlike um, Malcolm X wanted revolution. And Malcolm X felt that um, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was moving too slow and that retaliation should be a part of that revolution. Um, there was the um, uh, a Muslim that was killed in Los Angeles um, in Elijah Muhammad's time and Malcolm wanted retaliation by the nation for that death. Eye for an eye, two for a tooth. Okay, so, so let me ask you a question. I, it's a hypothetical. Yes, sir. Let's remove Minister Farrakhan from the scene, hypothetically. And let's, let's leave the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and Malcolm X, right? Let's, leave, let's just leave those two. Do you think there would be a revolution? Um, if I were to take it in exercise in your class, it should not matter. Hmm, tell me why. Because we could get into a difference of opinion. Okay, so give me your opinion. My opinion is that it would... Um, Revolution is qualified, but timing is qualified as well. Okay. So let, so let me tell you why I asked you that question. Yes, sir. Right. I asked you that question because to me, um, the X factor in the revolution is Minister Farrakhan. And let me, and let me tell you why. Minister Farrakhan is the only person that comes between Malcolm X and Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Right? Minister Farrakhan is the only one that's, that has an education. He's the only one that has something that's formal in terms of education. Malcolm X and Honorable Elijah Muhammad both have served prison sentences. They're both street educators. Mr. Farrakhan is the only one that brings an outside education to the Nation of Islam teaching. The big, the difference maker in the evolution of the Nation of Islam is Minister Farrakhan. And it's because of his advanced education. Had not, in my opinion, there been a, um, Minister Farrakhan, you would have had what they believe to be the seven. The seven would have manifested 
whether it would have been successful or not, the seven would have manifested. You know what I mean when I say when I talk about the seven, right? Yes, sir. That that manifesto would have manifested, in my opinion. The only reason why that manifesto didn't manifest is because of Minister Farrakhan. It is um let me play uh devil devil's advocate. Um these are the exercises that we need to have. It's just like playing chess. You have to study your moves, study your opponent. Does that mean that um, Dr. Collard was wrong? Interesting, interesting chess move. <laughs> Inter- interesting, yes, sir. But very, very good chess <laughs> Mysteries move. of chess boxing. Okay, and I appreciate it. <laughs> the different the difference is Mr. Ferg, I mean say uh, uh Dr. Khalid Muhammad would have either been a rook or would have been a he wouldn't have been a bishop. He would have been a knight. He would have either been a knight or a rook, right? Mm-hmm. Meaning meaning that his move would have been untraditional. Right. Be, because his move would so that means, really, he probably would have been the knight. And and the reason why I say that is because he had both. He had prison, he had the prison experience, and he had the education experience. Right. So because he had both, he would have wanted to move both ways. So he, he couldn't have been the rook because the rook would have allowed him to move only one way. He couldn't have been the bishop because the bishop would have only allowed him to move one way. He would have had to have been a knight. Yes, sir. Right. He would have. He would have. He would have had to been the horse. Right, and, and which allowed him to move back and forward from both of those positions, and which is what he did. He moved from the nation to starting his own. Yes, sir. So again, he he could he could relate to the teachings of Honorable Elijah Muhammad, but he could also relate to the teachings of Minister Farrakhan. He understood them both. Mm. And that's what made him so effective. I'm uh, now listening to the speeches of Dr. Khaled, and it brings back the, um, that feel good ministry that we needed to hear. Um, you are a, a part of that history with me of what we wanted to hear in 1990 with um, Chuck D the S1Ws uh, Ice Cube Tupac uh, there was certain um, Rahim the God Rakim the God I'm sorry yeah there's something about these brand new rappers which one? I didn't hear the last one. Brand Nubians. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, it about those type of rappers that played to the ear of our youth, and we were the youth at that time, and we wanted to hear this. We wanted to hear the vo- voiceovers of Minister Farrakhan and Dr. Khaled. And now we are facing a new generation. 
testing whether this nation or any other nation so conceived can long endure. I got that from uh, Abraham Lincoln's um, uh, emancipation speech in uh, 1968, Gettysburg Address. My mother memorized that. But um, the the point here is that um, things are going to evolve. And the thing that we have to do that are still left, and there's not many of us left, brother. Um, we have to have these conversations strategically, like we just did. Well, um, maybe we do, maybe we don't. I think this podcast, um, or this type of podcast is um, maybe relevant or irrelevant um, in the grand scheme of things. I, I think that we are not going to be effective in terms of the new generation. I think that um, going forward, going forward, um, the goals might need to be defined defined in terms of, um, you know, where we might be trying to go, where you might be trying to go, where I might be trying to go with it. Because um, the more we talk, the more I begin to understand that. Um, our conversations are very, are very isolated um, and they're not a conversation that most people want to hear. And I don't know how you make it um, attractive because um, the generations have moved away from the conversations that we have and the conversations that we have are only relevant to ourselves. And I think um, and they're only going to be rele- relevant to people of our generation. And our people of our generation are not going to get up at 2, 3 o'clock in the morning to listen to you know, us talk because they're old and they sleep at this time. Um, if we're looking for new people to join, um, then maybe there needs to be a more creative way of doing it. But um, the younger people don't want, nor do they care about the way that old people or they see us as old people think about things. Um, those things don't matter as much to them. Um, and so I think that a lot of what we talk about, if we're not careful, we get stuck in talking about our lives in the way that we see the world. And I want to be careful about that in that um, I don't want us to get caught up in the way that you saw your father. And the way that your father saw the world during his time, because you could never relate to him. And and what I don't also want to, um, I also want to be careful of is I heard something tonight. I heard a young brother say, "I don't ever want to be my father." And I, I had never understood that right as a child because one because I've never known my father, but. I, I it was always confusing to me to see a child that grew up with his father and then resent his father, even though his father grew up with him. That is very scary for me, right? And so um, I, I, I look at myself as a father and I know that I, I, I just used to think that 
wow, you need to be there. But it's not enough to be there. It's not enough just to be there physically for your, for your children. Your children need to be able to connect with you. You need to be able to connect with them. And you need to understand when you are not connecting with them. And if you don't, and if you just feel like, oh, I'm the father, I'm the mother, I'm here, you may be doing them more of a disservice than a service. That is correct, sir. It is um, 3.09 a.m. We are at the 18-minute mark, and we've tried to tie in three conversations that mentoring, um, um, parenting, and training that an employee would get from a senior member and eventually what the senior member teaches you, you're going to like say, I got a better way to do that. However, what we need to uh, remember, and sometimes it may take a couple of years, maybe when we get into our 40s and 50s like we are now, we be the wisdom of that far that mentor, that senior employee, because now we are in their position and we have to now teach the new generation coming up. So let us not forget that and let us move into the future with um, that type of um, flexibility. Last word, brother. This is the last segment of tonight. Well, bro, again, um, I I don't know where um, our podcast will go in the future. Um, I'm not even sure of what our goals are. I I, I think for me, um, <laughs> a lot of what I do, you know, in terms of this conversation, it's a conversation with a friend, um, yes, a, a, you know, a childhood friend about what we think about X, Y, and Z. You know, and that's kind of like where I come from from it. I don't do any research. I don't do anything prior to the podcast. Maybe I might, um, if I see something I think might be interesting, you know, to you or to me, I might send it to you. But I do no preparation. Um, I really don't even have um, a lot of goals in in terms of the podcast. I don't, you know, I don't know how long we'll be here doing what we do um, in terms of this podcast. But I hope that whatever we're doing in life, we'll be here for a long time. But, um, you know, I, I realize that a lot of the conversations that you and I have is not a conversation that a lot of people want, a lot of people care to listen to. And so I almost think that uh, that the marketing probably needs, to, if there's going to be marketing, probably needs to be directed to... Um, a particular age group, a particular group of people, because um, it, putting this type of podcast out is not going to be popular for a lot of people because right. it, it it requires it starts to require a certain level of responsibility, and holding people responsible becomes something different, bro. You know what I know for sure in counseling and therapy is that. Um, 
you know, everybody's not trying to come to counseling. Everybody's not trying to come to therapy. That's right. Everybody doesn't want help. And even wanting help, it requires a different level of commitment. Hmm. You know, um, and, you know, people, you know, I heard Kevin Gates say this a little earlier. You know, he said people would say to him, Gates, don't ever change. Gates stay the same. You know, that's what that's how we talk in the hood. Right. You know, in the hood, niggas stay real, right. keep it real. <laughs> niggas stay the same. And he said, he said he, he said, man, that's that's crazy. You know, he said, you know, Gates never change. You know, gay stay the same means me not growing. Hmm. He said, you know, if 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 I don't change, that means I stay the same person forever. Hmm. He said, How am I growing if I ain't if I ain't changing? That means I ain't I ain't growing. He said, No, I gotta change. He said, he said someone, he said an OG told him, he said, OG said, man, if you gotta take a gun there, that means you don't need to go. Mm-mm. So that means he had to have a different mentality. I can't tell you how many people talk about me and say, "Man, that nigga changed. Mm-hmm. That nigga changed." And I say, "Yeah, nigga, I had to change. How how, how do I get to where <laughs> I am if I don't change? If I hadn't right. changed, right? You know, if 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 I hadn't changed, I'm, you know, I'm in prison. I'm in jail. I'm, right. you know, I'm th- that dude that I was that you telling me don't but change from." <laughs> You, you know, that dude that you want me to be is in prison, is in jail, is dead. Right. And and then you got to look at who's telling you. Right. Nigga, don't change. What do you, who, you got to look at who's telling you don't change. Right. And if they, if they haven't changed, if, 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 if 20 years later, growth. right. <laughs> 20, 25, 30 years later, right. nigga saying, nigga, I ain't changed. Right. Nigga, that's a problem. Big problem. That's a problem. 17, 18 years, you still the same 17, 18 year old dude. But no, bro. Life don't even work like that. That mm. means you don't have some kids. You don't maybe had a wife or two. Mm. And the reason why that shit ain't work, because you still trying to be right. 17. Right. Now your kid's 17. <laughs> now you your and daughter at 17, 18. <laughs> And you you thinking on they you thinking you th- you still thinking on a 17, 18 year old level, but it's 17, 18 years later. Hmm. And you still functioning. Right. You still functioning from your 18 year old level. Talking right. about talking the same shit of 17, 18 to this kid now that's 17. And your life, that shit is not relevant. It's like hmm. reading the it's like reading the Bible and reading the Quran, hmm. right? Right, and, and 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 trying to apply Quranic levels of thinking. Right, Prophet Muhammad, Jesus Christ, right. level of thinking in modern day. It's not and going understanding to work. why it's not working for you, hmm. dude. It's a different time. You read hmm. Joseph and Isaac and all these and Lot and all these different people hmm. of the Bible, and you still. And you're trying to apply that shit to today. Hmm. It doesn't. It doesn't make sense. Right. 
doesn't make and, and it doesn't work for you. Right. And you're wondering why, you know, you haven't been blessed, why certain things haven't happened. You're right. You're reading the antiquity. Look, read the Bible, read the Quran. I'm not saying don't. No. Read the Torah. Read it in perspective, though. For self-fulfillment. Right. You know, you you as a parent arguing with your kid, talking about the way you grew up, not looking at your child, your child in the way that they they're growing up, and acting them and thinking and wanting them to be like you when you were growing up, you're gonna lose your child. Hmm. I can testify to that. Amen. We are at the 26-minute mark. This was our last segment, and there was a lot said. We're at 3.17 a.m. We'll be back tomorrow night, inshallah. Inshallah. Um, what we talk about, you 17-year-olds won't understand until you're like 40. So you got like at least 25 years before this is even relevant to you. If you make it. Thank you. <laughs> and there's the key to it all. We can't do nothing if we're not alive. Uh, rest in peace to Bismarck. E. The period on his life um, shows that and um, there's going to be a period on everybody's life sooner or later. What have you contributed to the world? Yep. Peace to the universe. Peace to the God. We'll be back tomorrow night. Inshallah. Inshallah. Peace.